There it goes. Good morning. Welcome to Yonsan Baptist Church English Sunday School class for mm, 5 March 2023. <laughs> Welcome back, Pastor, and your family. Thanks for joining us today. And we're looking forward to hearing more and more about your time in Hawaii. We are in the book of Joshua. We are studying through this, this great book that's obviously after the first five books that were penned by Moses, given by God. Last week we looked at Israel's new leader, Joshua, who God put in place and raised up um, after Moses, after Moses' death. And we talked about the commission of Joshua last week. And you might remember some of the aspects of that commissioning, like the God was telling Joshua to be strong and of good courage, or that this book of the law should not depart out of his mouth, that he should observe to do all that is written therein, and only be strong and of good courage, repeating that. So today we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2. Here we'll see the people prepare to enter the promised land. Archaeologists have done a great deal of research about the first city that Israel conquered, the city of Jericho. I've been there. Oh, closing my Bible there. To, to uh, be carried away with my hand gestures. <laughs> um, it is a somewhat underwhelming place, given um, that it's fully within um, Arab-controlled territory. So they, uh, they look at it a little differently than, than the Israelis would or we would. However, it was, it was still interesting to stand there in that place and see the evidence of what has been uncovered by archaeologists that the city of Jericho covered about eight acres. It's a pretty substantial size city for that time. It had an inner and an outer wall surrounding the city. The inner wall was 12 feet thick and the outer wall was six feet thick. So this is, this is not something that man is going to be able to pummel his way through or tear down on his own. Um, there is evidence that it was violently destroyed. And that perplexes a lot of unbelieving archaeologists because they don't understand how walls that thick could have been violently destroyed without modern weapons um, or bombs or something like that, right? So there's only one person's name from this whole city in the record that we have. And of course that name is Rahab. So today's lesson is about the covenant with Rahab. Uh, let's look at Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Remember the Israelites were to camp for three days in this grove of acacia trees called Shittim. Uh, you'll, you'll recognize that word from uh, Moses' works of Shittim wood that was used to make most of the furniture for the tabernacle. The story we're going to cover today happens within this three-day period of them camping in Shittim. So, in your notes, the first thing you'll see there is the spies in Jericho. The spies in Jericho. We're going to read, we've just read verse 1, we'll continue through uh, verses 2 through 7 to cover that first set of verses. So we finished verse 1, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither, 
tonight of the children of Israel to, to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they were, which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. So, got hiccups already, huh? <laughs> so we see uh, letter A here under number one. The spies in Jericho are sent. So the spies are sent in the first half of verse one. Good morning. Uh, Joshua sent out two spies. Jewish tradition, or speculation, I guess, says that those two spies that Joshua sent were faithful Caleb and the high priest Eleazar. But again, that's just Jewish tradition and a little bit of speculation. But notice here that it says to spy secretly. The last time that the spies were sent by Moses, they spied publicly with one representative from each tribe, and as we remember, that did not go well. The Bible also says that they were sent to view the land, or even Jericho, which means especially Jericho. This mission was a failure <laughs> from a military reconnaissance standpoint, uh, but God has another measure of success in mind when it comes to these kind of situations. So then you see letter B there in your notes. Uh, you want, Sister Man, you want to follow along here? Okay. Thank you. Yes, so letter B there in the notes is the spies at Rahab's house. So that's the second half of verse 1. It was, un it was not uncommon in that day for harlots to manage inns or houses for a visitor. Some of some people want to change the words in the Bible, and they want to change the word harlot to innkeeper because it makes them feel better about such an embarrassing implication. But the language here is clear. She was a harlot. In fact, in the second century, um, the, the uh, I don't know if you'd call him an early church father or what, but Origen uh, wrote about this passage and said, in the second century after Christ, as the first Joshua sent his spies before him, and they were received into the harlot's house, so the second Joshua sent his forerunners, whom the publicans and harlots gladly received. So the good news of the gospel is for those who know they are sinners. It's not for those who don't realize their sinfulness or what they would be capable of without Jesus. And we'll see that parallel again, like we talked about last time, all the parallels between Joshua and Jesus, and that's yet another one. So we see the spies at Rahab's house, and then in verses 2 through 7, Rahab hides the spies. Now, culturally, in like, just like in many other cultures, right? culturally it was the responsibility of a host to protect his or her guests. That'll come up again in the book of Judges. Uh, but Rahab went above and beyond the cultural responsibility and expectations by putting her own life on the line for these two spies. 
Now, it's important to realize here that the Bible records Rahab's lie, but does not condone it or praise it. Though Rahab's lie is not justified, it does show courage on her part. Before condemning her, I think we should consider the fact that she lived in a pagan culture and she did not have any of the word of God. But when it comes to things like lies, what's our excuse? Amen? All right. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> okay. So number two in the notes, we move on to the salvation of Rahab. So we saw the spies in Jericho and then the salvation of Rahab. Let's read verses 8 through 21. And before they laid down, she came up uh, unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that we, ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be, when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountains, uh, get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuer, pursuers be returned. And afterward, may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet thread in the window. So here we see Rahab's confession of faith. Even without the word of God, even without a preacher, Rahab's heart knew that God was God based off of what she heard God doing. How sad is it that Rahab and maybe other people right, in her house could hear what the miracles God performed on behalf of Israel, for Israel, or through Israel, and believed on God, and yet so many in Israel still harbored unbelief when they were the object of God's affection and miracles. It's a great challenge for us. But Rahab pictures here the spiritual history of every believer in Jesus Christ. So verse 1 shows that Rahab was a sinner. And we see in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And she was under condemnation, according to verse 9. That she said, I, mean, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that, that your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. So she was a sinner. So were we. She was under condemnation. So were we. 
Third, she heard the word of God in verse 10. And then she believed the word of God in verse 11. So she's a sinner under condemnation who heard the word of God and believed the word of God. And then number five, she proved her faith by works, according to verse 12. Rahab was a prostitute and a liar, but she, not, she was not saved by her works. She was saved by faith. Yet her faith was alive and bore the fruit of good works. And that's the way that it should be for every believer. She wanted them to swear by the Lord that they would save her. She believed and confessed with her mouth, just like we're told in Romans 10, 9 and 10, to believe and confess with our mouth. So next, the next thing, the sixth thing there in the notes, she sought to win others. So verse 13 already. And then she was delivered from judgment. Uh, it, that we will see later in chapter 6. And she was put into the line of the Messiah. She is one of, what, three women in the, in the lineage of Christ in Matthew chapter 1? It's four. Four women. That's right. Yep. Forget, forgot. There's a, there's a fourth one there. Okay. But that those eight steps, she was a sinner. She was under condemnation. She heard the word of God. She believed the word. She proved her faith by works. She sought to win others. She was delivered from judgment, and she was put into the line of the Messiah. And that, in that way, Rahab, the only named person out of the city of Jericho, here in this small, this short chapter of, of, of Joshua number 2, is the picture, the type, if you will, of the whole spiritual history of every believer in Christ. Next, we're going to see Rahab's means of salvation, and it was the scarlet cord, right? The scarlet thread or the scarlet cord that... Um, Rahab tied out the window to let them down with. That was her means of salvation. So even though Rahab confessed and believed, she would have been destroyed without tying that red cord in the window. The scarlet cord represents the blood of Jesus Christ. We must trust in and apply the blood of Jesus if we are to be saved. Just like in the Passover, it wasn't enough to kill the Passover lamb. They had to take the blood and obey by putting that over the doorposts. And if they didn't put up the blood, if the, if the death angel did not see the blood, he would not pass over that house, and they would be destroyed just like everybody else. So it's not enough to believe that God has the power to do what he says. You must obey what he says to do. So apply that blood of Jesus um, just like that, that cord tied in the window. The same one who saved Rahab would judge the rest of Jericho. The same is true today. Jesus is the Savior of all who believe but he's also the judge of all who reject. So, morning there. Next we see in verses 22 to 24, 22 to 24, we'll see the success of the mission. Read with me there. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Now, to what we, when you see here the success of the mission, uh, letter A is not by might nor by power. Right, verse 22 and 23 show us that other than escaping with their lives, these two spies, whether they were Caleb and Eleazar or anybody else, they, other than escaping with their lives, there was absolutely no help to the eventual battle through this reconnaissance that they went through. But does that mean it was worthless just because it wasn't a help to their battle? 
Letter B is, but by my spirit. So not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That was what we see in verse 24. Though no help with military strategy, the faith of the entire nation was encouraged by the fact that they heard the word that the whole world was trembling because of the terror of the God of Israel. That's encouraging, as opposed to the terror that the spies had when they came back to report to Moses, right? That was fear, and that bred fear among the people. And this report now breeds faith. So God did use that reconnaissance, even if it doesn't need to be there to help them for the battle. And then Rahab was converted. So that was the benefit of these two men going. Because think of the extent that God went through to bring one woman and her family to the household of faith. It foreshadows the same God who said he is the good shepherd and will leave the ninety and the nine to go save the one. It foreshadows the same Jesus who told his disciples he must needs go through Samaria to again save one immoral woman uh, to the household of faith. Right? What a, what a remarkable picture of both Joshua's situation and Jesus' situation. So, do you know anybody who seems impossible to save? Maybe they could be encouraged by a lesson like this. Maybe they could be encouraged by your testimony. Maybe you're the one to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. And to go out of the way to bring them into the household of faith. And maybe they could be encouraged by our memory verse that we started last week, which is 2 Timothy 1.9. God, is who this is talking about, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Amen. So that's Joshua chapter 2. We'll get into chapter 3 next week, and we'll continue to, to work through um, this amazing book and all of the corollaries that it has to our life and our faith. So thank you for your attention. We're going to pray, and we'll get to the rest of the services today. Almighty God, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to learn these these uh, lessons, this uh, covenant, and we thank you for the memory, the lesson of, of Rahab. And we thank you, Father, for 